Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, February 1st, 2022, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Well, Mercury will finally be direct by Friday this week, and I'm sure we're all glad about that. Uh, Also, we have two starseed quests coming this spring. The Athena Earth to Sky Equinox is March 18 to 21, and the lead-up to Pleiadian lineup is May 6th to the 9th. These are soul family reunions, and you must have at least one galactic star marking to be eligible. And you can write to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more info. Our guest this evening is Janice Harper, who is a writer, singer-songwriter, actor, and former adjunct English professor turned expressive arts therapist. Her writings can be found in literary journals and anthologies, including two creative nonfiction anthologies that she conceived and edited, which are Body Breakdowns, Tales of Illness and Recovery, and Emails from India, Women Write Home. And music from her CD, Better This Way, can be found online. At 14 years of age, Janice was chanting for an hour a day in front of her Buddhist shrine, and at 17, she was immersed in the Seth material. Both Eastern non-dualism and Western metaphysics have occupied her throughout her life, and her practice has vacillated between years spent involved with channeling and psychic activity to years in quiet meditation and clear mind. The attempt to reconcile these two paths is the impetus for this new novel's birth. In Jonas and the Mountain, she gives Jonas the job of figuring it all out. Although it looks like a novel, it's really semi-autobiographical, and she considers it to be the truest work she's ever written. And you can check out her website, which is Janice, J-A-N-I-S, Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R, dot C-A. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And do you have starseed children or grandchildren? Are you constantly trying to get them off the screens? I know it's a big problem for many people, so I've written a book uh, just in December, it was published, to help children want to put down the phone and reconnect with Mother Nature by understanding the animal guides of Native America. It's called Magical Messages from the Animal Kingdom, and it's on Amazon. You can just type Ariel Taylor in the search bar and you'll get right to it. We'd like to thank Kathy, Jada, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. Our online Starseed community is starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds under Tammy's Watchful Eye. And you can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please, all you have to do is click follow on our page here, and you'll get our bi-weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com, 
And the stage one starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart. And the stage two session is a one-on-one Zoom session available with Anastasia, Emerald, Miara, Riley, or myself. Lavendar has now retired from doing sessions so she can work on her own books. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of power. You find out exactly when it happens and how to make the most of it by requesting your solar return timing. That takes uh, usually less than a week. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia. I just have to find you on the switchboard (laughs) with her very popular Starseed News. Good evening, everybody. Hello, Arielle. It's great to be with you this evening. We have Hello. some fun and interesting stories. Hi. Well, we're into February. February is a short month. Then comes March and springtime. So we're not done with the bad weather yet, but we're getting closer to spring. The days are getting longer, and it's I find that incredibly encouraging. We're on the, maybe the last leg of winter, I hope, anyway. So here we go, and beg, I beg your pardon for the hoarseness, but... It's been very cold, and the air is dry, and I have a dry throat tonight. You know, I spend all day talking to clients, and so this will be my last leg of vocalizing <laughs> for the day. So so bear with me, and I hope that I can be understood. I might squeak a little, but I'll do the best I can. Okay. Well, this is look, I'm going to give you the, the cutest story in the world. I think it's my very favorite starseed news piece of all time. This is a story about an eight-year-old boy who (laughs) visited the library, and he put his book on a shelf. He left his book. He didn't check it out. He left it, and he left it deliberately. And as it ended up, this book has a a waiting list to be checked out over one year long. What's the story on this? The kid has got a line of people wanting to check out his book. This is the story. This boy's name is Dylan. He's a second grader that lives in Idaho, and he wrote about a Christmas adventure on the pages of a red cover notebook and illustrated it with his own pictures and uh, drawn in colored pencils. Oh, I wish I had a slideshow. I would love to show you these pictures. They are adorable. So it's an illustrated book. He wrote it himself. See, he finished this little book the middle of December, and he decided, being a thoughtful child, that he'd like to share it with other people. He wanted to share so much that he hatched a plan and he waited for just the right moment to pull it off. When he visited the library in his hometown with his grandma, he held the 81-page book closely closely to his chest as he he passed by the library at the checkout counter. Then, while his grandma wasn't looking, he slipped the book onto a children's picture bookshelf. Nobody saw him do it. Well, when he got home, he later told his mother that, Ah, Mom, I slid my book onto the stacks of shelving, and I left it there. Nobody saw it. And when they returned about two days later to the spot where he'd left the notebook, it was gone. So his mother, I guess he was having second thoughts. I don't know what happened to my book. So anyway, his mother called the library to ask had anybody found the boy's book and to request, please, please don't throw it out. Well, guess what? The librarian had discovered Dylan's book and told the boy's mother that the book was far too obviously special an item and item for us to even consider getting rid of it. The library crew had read Dylan's book, and that describes his adventures putting an exploding star on his Christmas tree 
and being capitulated back to the first Thanksgiving and the North Pole. They found this very entertaining. Sounds adorable. The librarian read the book to his six-year-old son, who laughed and carried on and said it was one of the funniest stories he'd ever heard. Well, the staff librarians who read Dylan's book agreed that informally and as informal and as unconventional as it was, the book just happened to meet the selection criteria for the collection, and it was a high-quality story that was fun to read. So the librarian uh, asked the mother for permission to tack a barcode onto the book and formally add it to the library's collection. Well, the parents enthusiastically said, yes, of course. And so now the book is part of the graphic novel section for kids, teens, and adults. The library even gave this little boy its very first Houdini Award for the Best Young Novelist. Now, this is a category the library created just for him. And it was a Houdini Award <laughs> was named after the library's owl mascot, which is an adorable cartoon owl named Houdini uh, that has a very wise and knowing look. There's a picture of this boy in the newspaper with his... Houdini Award sticker on his shirt. He's a, this child will melt you inside and out. He's adorable. Well, anyway, on about the book. The first page of Dylan's book, and I'm going to spell this out. Chapter 1, C-H-A-P-T-R. Chapter 1. To the North Pole, it reads. Now, the boy said it was naughty-ish about putting the book on the shelf without telling anybody, without getting permission. But he says... I'm kind of glad it happened this way. It's pretty cool it turned out this way, he said. Now, the book is titled, The Adventures of Dylan's Christmas, C-R-I-S-M-I-S. And then it says, it's signed by, quote, by Dylan his self. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you, You just have to see it. It's so cute. The handwriting. Well, um... The librarian said, his imagination is constantly going. He's a very creative child. The mother said she regularly he regularly entertains she and her husband. She said, he just comes up with these amazing stories and adventures, and we just all follow along. Well, as luck would have it, like I said earlier, this copy, one single copy in all of the universe, The Adventures of Dylan's Christmas, has become a book in demand, on demand and in demand, Um, Since people learned about the story, the area residents have been adding themselves to a wait list to check it out. And and as of Saturday, there was a 55-person wait list. So the library even heard from someone in Texas who hoped to get Dylan's book through an interlibrary loan. Of course, the answer was no. The librarian said, we're just hoping that children find inspiration to write their own stories and share those with other people. I think it's just a good demonstration to share with other kids. And his mother said he might grow up to be a writer. Well, here's what Dylan has to say about it. He's working on a sequel to the Christmas book, C-R-I-M-I-S, which ends with a home visit from the Grinch and eventually revenge on the Christmas killjoy. In it, Dylan's dog, Rusty, will join the story. And Dylan is also writing his second book, a third book, excuse me, a third one, a different kind of a book about a closet that eats up jackets. (laughs) <laughs> As the word spread around Dylan's school, the cafeteria worker told him she can't wait to see his book. Kids in class want to read it, and they too want to write stories. Uh, the librarian said, 
It's terrific to watch the way this one kid is inspiring other children's minds. Uh, you just got to look that up, guys, and take a look at that. It, it is just precious. So I'm going to get the book. If it goes into publication, a book about a closet that eats up jackets, maybe he'll write a book about clothes dryers that eat up Socks. Socks. No. <laughs> I want to solve this mystery, so I hope this eight-year-old boy with his infinite wisdom will share with us his secrets. He'll explain all of this to us out of the mind of a child. It's wonderful. All right, well, now on to more serious stuff. I really hate to leave that subject. I just want to break out my toys and let's all play. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Um, you know, we, we're all star seeds here, and we, we think a lot about off-planet stuff, and um, but I'll bet when we think about colonizing outer space, it might be something that most of us never considered, and that is, can human beings reproduce in outer space? If we're going to colonize other planets, can we have babies? Can we reproduce? And although human settlements on other planets was once only a science fiction fantasy, you all know rapid technology is making it seem like a possibility for the future of humanity. But before any human colony can settle in space, scientists tell us they need to figure out if people and how people can reproduce off-planet. Missions to the Moon and Mars are being planned, and experts say that reproduction will almost certainly be relevant to a three-year mission to Mars, and we don't want to discover serious adverse effects by accident. Well, in the past few years, scientists have conducted several experiments on the International Space Station, to see what it would take for other mammals, and eventually humans, to reproduce in space. Last summer, scientists published a study about reproductivity in mice on the International Space Station. The samples weren't adversely impacted by the environment in low Earth orbit and produced healthy pups back on Earth once they returned. An earlier Russian experiment sent live male and female rats into orbit to breed. The two female rats conceived, however, Neither resulted in a live birth. So some scientists believe there isn't enough research in this field and that more in-depth studies are critical to answer all the questions we have about reproduction in space, human or otherwise. Now scientists express their concern that there isn't enough literature on reproduction. They assert that the risks of space flight are reasonably well understood, but the consequences of those risks on conception, pregnancy, birth, and development are not understood at all in any species, but particularly in mammals, and even more so in humans. And also because women have been historically underrepresented in this field, there's been an insufficient information about the aspects of female reproductive function in space. Um, they say that there's quite a few major factors that could limit the human's ability to reproduce, like radiation and gravity, which likely play an important role in the physical arrangement of cells in an embryo. On top of that, mammals are sensitive to stress, and this can make it difficult to reproduce. Even on our home planet, there are a number of ethical issues they tell us surrounding studies of human reproduction in space. But they tell us we're working on the problem, and they hope to have answers that will ultimately decide if off-planet human colonization is viable for the long term. So when you think about it, talk about colonies and people living off-planet, well, if they can't reproduce, that colony will not have very very long lifespan. So it's an important subject. If that's what uh -huh. you intend to do, you better know if humans can reproduce, as well as other animals. You know, we see sci-fi movies. They have 
they carry animals for farming and whatever. Uh, all of this elaborate off-planet uh, civilization that they show in movies, but you know, really, uh, cows may not be able to have baby cows and so on. So uh, it does matter. And on with some more science. Uh, a recent study published in Science Advances has brought us one step closer to regenerative medicine. What's that about? Well, in a collaborative effort from Tufts University and Harvard, teams were able to regenerate an adult frog's limb, something that frogs are naturally unable to do. They used a five-drug cocktail and placed a silicone bioreactor dome over the stump of the leg for 24 hours. The, the team was then able to trigger regrowth in the frog's leg. A five-drug cocktail and a silicone bioreactor dome. And they said from this brief treatment, 24 hours, the leg was grown back over an 18-month period, resulting in the frog gaining back a fully functioning limb. The study reports the animal was able to use it to swim through the water, and also the limb reacted to touch. They said it's exciting to see that the drugs we selected were helping to create an almost complete limb. Now we find out that it required um, a, a, just a brief exposure to these drugs. However, the leg had a few problems. Um, let's see here. It says that the leg did not resemble its natural shape and it had no toe bones. Nevertheless, they said that it was the frog could use it. It worked. Now, the, uh, the drugs that they used, each were designed for a different purpose. Uh, and those of you who know anything about medicine or nursing will follow with this, but uh, some of the drugs tackled inflammation and scarring, which, which could prevent regrowth. The rest of the drugs encouraged a new growth of nerve fibers, blood vessels, and muscle tissue. And what was the bioreactor for? Well, that was to facilitate an environment that fought against the body's natural response to close off the stump and to enhance or trigger the regenerative process. So they covered all their steps. They inhibited what needed to be inhibited, and they encouraged what needed to be encouraged. They say that this work obviously will lead to some huge, huge advances for amputees of the future. It'll need fine-tuning, but they think that this is going to work on mammals, uh, humans, not just frogs. And that's a big deal. I mean, how ingenious. Yeah. It took a few months to do it, but they got it done. Um, well, I think this is an important article. It's about magnesium. I wanted to share it with you. Um, and you're all very health conscious, and I'm sure you all know that magnesium is an essential mineral. It's vital to many bodily functions, including muscle contraction, nerve transmission, blood pressure, and immunity. Therefore, it makes sense that magnesium deficiencies are linked to a wide range of diseases. Scientists have shown that mice on a low-magnesium diet have weaker immune responses against malignant cell growth and influenza. Now, this inspired uh, a recent paper published in the journal Cell, uh, found that they needed to research deep, deeper into exactly what was going on. Well, they tell us that the part of our immune system that's responsible for destroying cells that don't work properly, malfunctioning cells, are called cytotoxic T cells. Now, the research group found that these killer cells can only eradicate bad cells, infected cells, in the presence of magnesium, 
without magnesium, they don't work. The reason is magnesium activates pathways in these T cells that tell them they need to attack. It's sort of a signaling device. Now, these scientists discovered that low levels of magnesium were linked to more rapid disease progression and decreased survival in patients receiving treatments. And we can find magnesium in a number of foods. You all know that. Almonds, cashews, peanuts, spinach, dark chocolate, yum yum, dried legumes, and walnuts. And you know what? They tell us don't forget the vegetable peelings. We shouldn't peel our vegetables unless we absolutely have to because that skin includes huge amounts of nutrients, magnesium included. So we can get magnesium from certain foods and certainly from your veggie skins. And everyone needs magnesium. It's important. So please consider, do you need to take it? It's good for you. Uh, Don't you love aquariums? I mean, some of you may not like fish. But I've often found that aquariums can be so relaxing. You sit in your living room or wherever you are in your office, and you have a nice little fish tank, and it's bubbling, and the fish are all relaxed. It just so lowers your blood pressure to watch them, and they're lovely especially for people that like water. I'm a water lover, and I like to watch fish. Sometimes I feel bad they're in a tank, but that's beside the point. So we never think of really a fish having anything to do with sound. We think of fish generally, unless it's the bubbling water, but I mean fish themselves, we think they're silent. And so that's not the first thing we think of. When we think of fish, we don't think of sound. But did you know that sound is a key element of communication? for the vast majority of fish species. Yeah, that's right. They make sounds. They talk. That's according to scientists at Cornell University who have recently discovered that about two-thirds of all fish species in the world use sound to communicate. Now, as part of this study, researchers investigated the sounds in a class of fish that makes up about 99% of all known fishes. They analyzed papers on sounds, recordings of sounds, They even went back to 19th century literature trying to find information about fish sounds. Uh, And they also discovered uh, um, in the the studies and in the literature that some of the characteristics that enable fish to vocalize are specific muscles in their bodies and air bladder and particularly distinctive bones. See, they don't have vocal cords. They don't have tongues. So to make sounds, they use an air bladder, their bones, and other specific muscles. Fascinating, huh? And according to the study results, all these fish either use sound to communicate and they um, talk to each other, they attract mates with sound, they protect their food and their territories with sound, and they announce their location. They say that, uh, that nobody ever suspected that fish communicated like that. Fish do everything. They breathe air, they fly, they eat anything, and they communicate through sound. Fish talk. Wow. Wow. And finally for tonight. Um, Over the past couple of years, Americans have taken, they say, uh, the least vacation time in the world. Now, really, when I got this article, I thought, well, it's been COVID time. A lot of people have just been, you know, marooned, right? But this is what the article says. Um, I would suspect they took least vacation time because some people just weren't working. But anyway, they're talking about a relief of the stress of our society and the world that we live in. 
And even if people have been home, a lot of people still stay very busy. They answer emails on weekends. They work overtime. I know you do, Ariel. You work, you work, work, work. And people <laughs> will stretch themselves too thin. <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> uh, anyway, in general, our culture of overwork uh, it really makes us tired and can make us sick. It's actually making uh, us less productive as well, according to the authorities who studied this. They said that it's really necessary to take regular breaks to rest and recharge. Don't feel guilty. It doesn't take away from your achievements because it will actually improve what we can accomplish. They tell us that downtime gives our minds and bodies a chance to relax. Going for a walk, taking a nap, enjoying dinner with friends is not only enjoyable, but we really need it to reach our full potential, and this goes for everyone. NASA discovered that 40-minute naps boosted performance by 34% and increased alertness by, get this, 100%. In periods of rest, our brains process and consolidate what we've learned without breaks. We can't fully reap the benefits of our hard work or even the full capacity of our minds. This is part of the reason that some companies and governments across the world have embraced that four-day work week. Periods of focused productivity balanced with mindful relaxation is far more effective than the go, 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 go mentality. So keep this in mind as you go about your day. Take a full lunch break. Watch the clouds. Take a nap. No guilt. Listen to a podcast. Get engaged with something that interests you. Remember that resting is not a weakness. It's a powerful tool and a solution for beating the burnout and the fueling innovation. The crazy world, the treadmill that we all get on and don't know how to get off. Take charge. Make up your mind. You're going to take downtime because it's good for you and it's actually good for everybody else too. When you get better, we all get better. So no more guilt. Take a break. Enjoy it. And know that you're really doing yourself some service. All right. From my heart to each one of you, much love, everybody. Talk to you next time, and, and I'll let you know if I can uh, ever <laughs> get a get chance to, book. to read Dylan's, <laughs> Dylan's new book, and also if I ever get a chance to take a break. <laughs> I actually picked that break article because I can really stand to follow yeah, that you, advice. Yeah. <laughs> and so can you. Can't we all? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. All right, love you all. Uh, have a beautiful week, you guys, two weeks, and we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Ariel. Okay. Thanks so much, Anastasia. Great job. Okay. So let me get uh, this microphone open for Avendar. And let's see. Oh, it's just spinning. Okay. And Janice. Okay. I think we got it on go here. Hi, Janice. Welcome to the show. Hi. I'm so happy to be here, Ariel. Thank you. Uh, we're glad to have you with us. Lavendar, you got everything working? I'm ready. I'm okay, ready. take it away. So, okay. Janice, um, thank, you so much. thank you so much for sending your book to me, Jonas and the Mountain. I must admit I have not read it yet, and the reason I haven't read it yet is that I'm in the process of working on my book and movie and miniseries and things that have to do with my life. I'm now 79 years old, and I've got a lot of high strangeness that I need to to get out in, in book form and movie form. So I do apologize for not reading your book before this interview. But I have taken a look at it, and I see the, the um, immense love and energy that you put into all of this. And I love the cover of your book. Uh, you know, sometimes when you 
up a book and you see the cover, you know instantly, you know, whether you want to read it, it, it has some kind of message, and you definitely found the right kind of front cover for your book. So bravo, girl. Thank you. Well, that's not just me. Actually, that's more my publisher. This this novel isn't self-published. It's published by the traditional American publisher, Sacred Stories. So it really was thanks to to their cover designer <laughs> and artist, um, along with my own ideas. It was it was an exchange, a collaboration, if you will. <laughs> okay. So um, you know, we have a very awake audience of Star Seeds that will love this book, but I noticed that you have written some other books that, that they might be interested in. So why don't you just kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of the other books that you've written? And I noticed that you had mentioned the Seth material, uh, and, mm-hmm. and I, no one that's ever been on our show has ever mentioned the Seth material. And uh-huh. so I, I kind of stood up and went, oh, she knows about the Seth material. So was the Seth material, was it a place where you were able to start tracking and start looking at, at different timelines and different ways of viewing the world? Oh, my goodness. Seth and I have a very long, intimate relationship. <laughs> uh, I encountered, yeah, Seth, as I said, when I was 17. And when I started reading Seth, it was, I already knew it. I already knew everything that he was saying um, with such um with such intimacy, really, and with such depth. So for me, it was just a, a recognition uh, process and going, ah, oh, right, and here's somebody who is articulating it so beautifully. Um, and, of course, adding all sorts of flavors. And, and um, yeah, I, I just Seth material is so rich, and it's so um, – it, it, it can be difficult for some people because it's rather intellectually dense. Um, but today, even though Jane Roberts – uh, channeled Seth in the 60s, um, it's it's as relevant today, if not more so, because over the years we've seen everything that Seth um, described in terms of physics, and uh, we, we've seen all those discoveries um, take hold with with the passing of time. Yeah. Yes. So, so yes. yeah, yeah. I agree yeah. with 100 percent. In fact, when I read the Seth material, I went, yes, somebody finally has is is writing in my language. <laughs> So, oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very cool. Yeah, and later on myself, I I've been involved with channeling in different kinds of ways. Um and at one point I had a, a partner who who did a very similar kind of trance channel that Jane Roberts did with Seth. I mean, he would just go out completely and I was sort of in the Robert Butts role. I was um in those days there is tape recording. So I would tape record it and then transcribe and, and also, you know, field the questions, et cetera. And the material that was produced there and the, the entity's name was, is Agoff, um, is, was another very rich and, and, um, and interesting and again, quite intellectually dense material that, that, um, is, similar to Seth, but, but also, you know, as, as different stuff as well, and also feels just extremely true. So I've, I've been, um, I've been very lucky to have had various channeling myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have a saying that I've coined many years ago, and it's called truth knows its own source. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Truth knows its own source. Yeah. So, So let's hear a little bit about you as a um, 
a rising star seed on the planet about to do something great. Okay, I know you're about to do something great because after reading your bio and I said, oh, goodness, what she's, what's she going to do next? Now, I know this book mm-hmm. that you've written um, is, is something you're working on now, but I know that you have many talents like your, your art, your music. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your creativity in music. <laughs> Okay. Um, I I feel I should answer your very first question about my other books, so I'll start with that. Okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) I'm a a literary writer, I guess one could say, and have been published in Canada where I live um, in various anthologies and and literary journals. But my first book was an anthology of stories, not just my own, but others, um, about bodies breaking down, mainly at middle age. And the way people confront their own mortality uh, and their relationship to the medical um, systems that they find themselves in and the vulnerability there. And that book is called Body Breakdown, Tales of Illness and Recovery. And it was, it's been used as a college text, um, even though it's, you know, the stories are extremely engaging and written by some quite well-known Canadian writers a few years after it was published. Reader's Digest magazine selected it as their editor's choice <laughs> and excerpted it at length and also added some really cute um, cartoony pictures to go with some of the stories. Um, so that was my first book. And then a few years later came my second. So in that time, I um, got a divorce and went to India. I'd always been in love with India. So I um, started going there. And I went went there a few times. India has given me a lot, including really this book, Jonas and the Mountain. But my first book, I I noticed that there seemed to be a relationship between women and India, some kind of special relationship. Um, So I, I have another anthology, again, that I conceived and edited and contributed to. And this one, I have six pieces. And it's called Emails from India, Women Write Home. And they are, there are stories from Western women who have been traveling in India uh, and who have been writing about all sorts of experiences that they had there and um, all over India. And I wanted it to be kind of an introduction to people, to women who hadn't been, and also um, uh, a lovely kind of touchstone And uh, for, for those who have, I know after I went to India, I just wanted to hear more and more stories by people. Uh, who had traveled there, especially women, because there is a there is a kind of relationship there. So, yeah, that was that was that book, emails from India, women write home, published um, by a Canadian press. And yeah, so so those are the books leading up to Jonas and the Mountain. And to answer your other question about the creative stuff that I do, so I've always been um, involved in creativity. Um, even while I was an intellectual and an academic and teaching um, academic writing and literature and communications for many, many years, <laughs> um, I still took the time off to to act. I'm a stage actor um, and to, again, to write, of course. And also I've been a singer-songwriter since I was about nine or ten. <laughs> and um, I've, I've performed off and on throughout my life and uh, had you know various uh, company you know duos etc. And in 2015, I um, I recorded an album um, called Better This Way, 
Yeah, and so that's me on guitar and vocals and a bit of dulcimer, and that's available anywhere online and and, and accessible from my website as well as everything else. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I hope that answers your question. For me, creativity is, I think we are all innately creative. And I mean, just not only in in the kind of um, arts that we might engage in, but in terms of our lives. Um, and, and you know, Seth, Seth, Seth is known for, for that, um, that, that sentence, we create our reality through our beliefs. Um, so yeah, there, there a, a character in my book as well um, adheres, not really adheres to that. She says that in another way, and she, um, who is a really a Western psychic, a character in my Jonas and the Mountain book, um, she ends up using art, creative arts modalities, to bring her own metaphysical teachings home to her students and i also should add that in midlife i shed mid late midlife i should say shed academia and educating um, through that modality and became an expressive arts therapist myself so i also use um, various arts modalities in order to help people rediscover who they are and to to look inward and and um, through that route through through bringing whatever is in them out into the world through the arts um, uh, engender personal transformation and growth and healing and all that good stuff um, and that is is part and parcel of Jonas and the Mountain uh, indeed even at the the end of the book in there there's a couple of uh, appendices and in one there are expressive arts exercises and also meditations that Anna Mika um, uses to teach her students in the book. And, and in the book, they are very much um, part and parcel. They're organic to the novel, but they are also set aside at the end for readers who might like to experience them themselves. Um, so that was that was a way of answering your question about my arts and getting a little bit in about Jonas there, <laughs> Lavendar. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk about the book because it looks like it's it's a book that really can trigger a lot of um, interest through uh, traveling the metaphysical realm of knowledge. So is mm. something about this book does it relate to your own life in some way? Mm, yes, very much so. Um, I've always been attracted to an Eastern um, philosophy, mysticism, um, non-dualist um, philosophy. No, I wouldn't even call it philosophy. I should say way of life. You know, the one consciousness and the, the illusory nature of the subject and object dual world and how one um, op can open up um, into, into that one consciousness uh, and it's called being awake or waking up from the dream or or enlightenment so there has been that in my life playing from quite a young age um i know i mentioned buddhism but for me there is more to do with with hinduism or what's called advaita vedanta um in hinduism which is a kind of non-dualist um way that's a very direct route to enlightenment so in the book jonas 
um, his life falls apart, um, which is how, as we know, lots of lots of important stuff happened when 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 all those life structures that we we hold on to so tightly end up being blasted apart. And there we go. It's a different world. And he's off on an inner adventure and goes to a very real mountain in India. And that is, incidentally, Lavendar, what's, what's on the cover of my book is the holy mountain of Arunachala in South India has a very distinctive shape um, and also environment. And that is what is on the cover. It's an artist's rendering of it. And so I, I went to India like Jonas did and, and, and I fell in love with a, a guru who turned out to be an American, an American guru dude and went on silent retreats, um, several times over the course of years. So Jonas does that and he encounters, he falls in love with a guru who sounds very much like, um, the one in my real life. <laughs> um, a lot of what comes out of the mouth of in the character in the novel who is guru d um, uh, is based on the guru who i met so he he he's in in the non-dual world and where enlightenment is 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 the is what everyone's shooting for and that's that's the be all and end all um, what brought him to india though was also because he started hearing voices <laughs> And strange poems start to come to him in an automatic writing channeling kind of way. So there is that piece to it. And when he is in India, he also discovers, and this is not like my life, but he also discovers uh, what I call a Western psychic, who is a teacher of metaphysics um, and a unique system. And this this one is, it comes through me, really. It's um, you could say it's channeled or, or it's knowledge that, that came through me and out in, into this book. So that meet, meeting Anamita, um, there is a, a, he falls in love with her. I mean, there's lots of, lots of love going on, <laughs> different kinds of love. Um, and he is trying to find a way to reconcile what seems to be um, a metaphysical path and this non-dualist path. So that is important to me. And those two paths um, have been playing out in my life. So that is quite personal. So by metaphysics, I mean not just the kind of material that's, that you find in Seth, but um, Anamika has all sorts of um, knowledge. And it has to do with multiple dimensions and and um, the illusory nature of time and space and and um, how it's really all you, that there maybe is nothing out there. Um, and I know with your your listeners here, Lavendar, there is a, the, the whole, the star seeds. And she says an interesting thing about how outer space is inner space turned inside out. <laughs> and she talks a little bit about, about space and in terms more of multi-dimensions. So in my life, I was. It was important to me to 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 find out where this whole enlightenment, this waking up from the dream, uh, 
fit in or was it compatible with or could it be reconciled with metaphysics and multiple dimensions and cells and incarnations and ascended masters and spirit guides and angelic guides and the Arcturians and and whatever what what have you where does enlightenment fit in that and and how can we explain all of this where what true with a capital T um, so he immerses himself in both ways and and attempts to find a, a reconciliation. So in that sense, it's almost like comparative philosophy, <laughs> the book at some point. And, and within the story, there are, um, you can engage with these two paths on a philosophical level too. Um, yeah, so so it, it does have a very personal relationship to me. And, and I always was wondering when I was into the metaphysics going, well, what about waking up? And then when I was in clear mind and sitting silent and having major openings into enlightenment and staying there for, for a length of time, then it was, you know, the whole metaphysics thing that was, you know, okay. So that's not really important. Um, so I gave the, I gave Jonas the job of, of exploring that further and doing it in a love story. Um, and it, it, get, it gets, yeah, thank you. So, so do you imagine this to be a movie? Some people have mentioned that to me, um, and I'm well, not sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling as I'm holding it, I'm going, oh, this is probably a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, it has occurred to me because uh, it has been mentioned to me, although, yeah, I'm not too sure how uh, – it could be. It could be. Um, there's, there are places where – where it's, it, it, Anamika is doing a lot of teaching, but st- there are movies that are based on various kinds of teachings, like um, right. like like Dan Millman's Way of the Peaceful Warrior, and 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 there is a way of of bringing that to the screen. So yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Um, it would it would jive with my overall purpose, and that yeah. is really what? really to write. Yeah, to, to write something that's more for the mainstream, but that it introduces uh, people to ideas and and um, and opens up their world more to, to different kinds of possibilities that they wouldn't otherwise encounter. And I'm right. finding a lot of yeah, I'm finding a lot of the readers of Jonas and the Mountain are readers who who wouldn't normally be reading metaphysics or even um, about non-duality and waking up, and this is all new to them. And I've been getting comments like, uh, "This has changed my way of thinking," and yeah. and I feel I feel the world is is um, is there's more possibility, and and people are talking about how, um, in, in during this pandemic, how it's given them more hope, and um, yeah, so yeah, so I I do sort of do want this mainstream kind of um, appeal to keep running its course, and if that means it moves to the screen, then then that's fine by me. <laughs> Um, you know, I was just um, mentioning uh, today about uh, the entertainment world and how that certain people are, they've been holed up for two years and a lot of them haven't left mm-hmm. their homes and yet they've been writing, they've been creating, they've been doing mm-hmm. artwork. And we're going to yeah. see a lot of star seeds rising now with mm-hmm. their talents. They've walked off from their eight to five jobs. They no longer want to do that. They didn't want to do it before. But now they've been given the opportunity of time and energy to stay home and be creative. So we're going to start seeing this all over the world. This isn't just the United States. 
this is mm. everywhere. So I'm, I'm very yeah. excited to, to think about the new way that's coming and the new blueprints that are going to be laid down for, for the new um, evolutionary patterns that are, are going to be on our planet. So I want to ask mm-hmm. you this. Mm-hmm. Did you have some kind of major happening with an ET or a high spirit being right after 2012? Right after 2012, um, let me think. I'm trying to go back to 2012. <laughs> um, you, right now I'm, I'm you, remember, even... you remember in December 21st, 2012, we were all looking at the Mayan calendar, thinking it was going to be a very big thing. What I actually mm. got to witness was that the, the star seeds and the bloodlines were rising up all over the planet that were going mm. to start making differences on the planet with evolutionary thought that's what i started seeing so yeah, it wasn't so much my yeah. calendar for me as it was I, I could tell that that people had had uh, pledged with their souls to come at this time and they were rising mm, yes yeah i have um i have researched you lavendar and and and, and yeah and i've i've read a lot on on various websites and um so i do know of which you speak. <laughs> um, I I was in India actually during that time, so I remember um, I remember being. I actually took my son with me. I took him out of grade eleven and brought him to India with me for three months. And I remember being there at that time um, and going, "Oh, this this is kind of an interesting place for this to happen." Um, I don't know. I can't it, consciously recall any any particular. Um, special movement in myself um but that's, so did you, yeah did you experience the things that you're writing writing about now in jonas in the mountain were some of those things happening for you in 2012 oh certainly although i don't see them as initiated then but but they they certainly were i mean they've they've been happening really all my life <laughs> um yeah in various degrees oh well, you maybe know what yeah, you the know upgrades. what? Maybe you had some upgrades about that time. Yeah, you know, my mother died in 2012. Okay, now I'm remembering 2012. <laughs> it was a very important year for me. Um, my mother died, and then soon after that, I discovered expressive arts therapy that was sort of gifted to me. That came sort of from a very strange source, and and it fit me like a glove. And that really, yes, there we go, Lavendar. Yes, so that that really made it a big shift in my life because then the next year or later on that year, I was not only teaching um, at college level, but then I was also um, in school training to be an expressive arts therapist at the same time. And I knew that through expressive arts therapy, I would be able to, to be more... Um, to pay more attention to my spirituality and to um, engaging people with the arts for their own personal development and healing and transformation. Um, so, yeah, so there you go. Yep. <laughs> uh, that was so my, so my next question is, what happened to you after 2017, after we had the eclipse? It looks like you had another upgrade about that time. 2017. When we yeah, had the eclipse across our country in mm. August. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Hmm. You're you're getting upgrades all the time. As Mm -hmm. I'm looking at what you've done in your life and I look at some of the things that you've you've written about, I'm going, oh, my goodness, she's on a – She's on the climb of upgrades. She gets an upgrade every so often, mm. and maybe you have to get rid of a lot of people when those things happen because you change mm. your vibration so much. Yeah, and you know, it was in 2017 that this beautiful house I'd raised my son in and had rent, was renting went up for sale, and I knew that it was time to make a big change and move. And I, this was in Vancouver, where I used to live in D.C., Canada, and I ended up buying my first house um, on Vancouver Island in Nanaimo. So I didn't move there then, but that's when I was told I was going to have to and, and kind of went on, um, yeah, and, and another big transition for all sorts of open spaces. And, um, and when I found my house here where I am in Nanaimo, B.C., um, it, I knew that it was my house. And I knew from the moment I, I opened my eyes that day that um, – Yes, that it was, I found it. So there you go. So, yep, 2017. Okay, gotcha. So, <laughs> check. So, where do you, what, what, what state do you live in now? Oh, no, I, I live, I'm Canadian and I live in Canada, Lavendar. Oh, you're in Canada. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm in um, Nanaimo, BC, British Columbia, beautiful British Columbia on Vancouver Island, um, you know, which is quite a large island. We have the capital of, of, um, we have the the capital BC on the island, and I live in another town called Nanaimo. I used to live in Vancouver BC, which is a, a, a two hour, an hour and forty minute ferry ride from here. So yeah, so I'm I'm just over over your border there <laughs> on the west coast. We, we have a lot um, we have a lot of star seeds that listen to our show and come to our quest that are from Canada. Canada seems to be a re- really friendly place for a lot of star seeds there so i don't know if you have a large group where you're living or not but know that a lot of um listeners tonight will be listening from canada oh wonderful yeah i was on a i was interviewed on a on a a, a very popular podcast like yours um it was called spaced out radio with dave scott and he broadcasts from northern bc a place called 100 mile house um and his show is about um about encounters and 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 um, being um, taken and and ufology and Sasquatch and all that stuff. So, yeah. So he's he is from he's broadcast from BC all over the world. So yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised. There's there's yeah. a lots going on here. Yeah. And there's also well, I am so, I am so I'm so glad that you have written this book, Jonas and the Mountain, A Metaphysical Love Story. And I would like to share this with my co-host, Arielle, at this time. She has the switchboard. There may be some people that maybe want to call and ask you a question, or maybe they'll wait to hear this show later. Sometimes a lot of people uh, will wait and hear them during the week. So if someone doesn't call in, don't think anything about it because yeah, people are I busy <laughs> and they just wait and listen to them later. Okay, so I don't so take back. anything personally. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Okay, Great. so so thank you so much. And anytime you have anything you want to announce to the world, something that's important to you, we can give you five or ten minutes to always come on and speak to the star seeds. Know that, okay? Well, thank you so much, Lavendar. It's been a great pleasure. Yeah. Being here. And anytime you have a new book or anything, let us know. So back Thank to you, you. Aria. Okay, mm-hmm. bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, okay. Um, I, have, I have got to um, 
have a, a little a little conversation about the music side because mm. I um I spent most of my life um performing and yeah. uh, so you mentioned guitar Mhm yeah uh, it, you know, yeah that's it, my main singer. Yeah that's my main instrument to perform with although I've also performed with dulcimer and yeah I'm a singer songwriter how about you Ariel <laughs> Well um same only uh piano is my main instrument but when when you've got a keyboard you can also um you know do sequencing so i i do you know like total orchestrations um mm. and and so it sounds like a whole band but uh and i really yeah. enjoy that where you know you can you know try to think like a bass player and then you lay that line mm. down and then you you know try to the hardest part for me was thinking like a drummer <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, that's kind of, that's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Huh? Yeah. Wow, that's that's great. And and you, when you perform, like it seems to me, you're talking about recording. Um, how do you perform with all of that? Um, I've, I've I I toured for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I had a CD come out, like, um, I guess it was back in the dark ages, but you know, it was, it's been it's been quite a while because. Um, I, when I started um, the Starseed Hotline, it quickly um, took over. So um, mm. I, I sing. Yes, I sing right. sometimes when we go to Arkansas. But mm. um, what what kind of um, you know musical mm. training? I, I think you mentioned. Hmm. How, did, how did you oh. study? How did you study? Oh, actually, I. I I was playing guitar when I was about nine or ten, <laughs> um, and picked it up, and then had lessons, and and um, and I was someone who studied classical piano. You know, my mom sent me to to um, to take piano lessons, so our, she was very musical. There was just a lot of music um, in our house. My sister wasn't musical. There's the, the two of us, but um, but yeah, it was just just a part of it all. So I've taken lessons and performing. I was performing from a very young age when I was like. I think when I was 11, um, on the iconic Kitsilano showboat in Vancouver, there was like a, a boat that's sitting in the in the ocean, sort of. Um, that that um, yeah, that that is a popular performance spot. So that's yeah, that's what I do and um, wow. or have done in various. You know, I've, I've performed on stages in Japan and Malaysia and then Australia, mainly just because I was living there or, or traveling there. Um, and then in Vancouver, I had a duo, a few duos, and now I'm fairly recently moved to where I am, and I've just met a piano player here, so we might see um, what we can do together. But you know, when you're talking about sequencing, I was wondering, Ariel, if you um, if you ever did any looping, because that's a really cool thing when when one is performing to um, to be able to to loop something. Yeah, um, you know, I I did that a little bit. Um, when I first started sequencing, um, but then it, it, it evolved to where um, there was more. Well, I might have like the same basic pattern and then and then embellish, you know, like right, bring right, in right. the strings mm-hmm. later and and uh, uh, you know, kind of build throughout the song. But um, I mean, I was classically trained, and mm. yeah. And like, it, yeah. It, it, yeah, uh, but you know, when I was probably, I guess about fourteen or fifteen, 
Uh, of course, I had my 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 friend from school had a band, and it's like now that's what I want to do. So <laughs> you know, so yeah, I mean the the first time that you I mean they let me play with them. So I mean to me that was official. I was you know 14, and and uh, <laughs> I just ever since then that's that's I just did all of that. Of course, then I met mm-hmm. Lavendar, and 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 mm-hmm. she she trained me in astrology and all things galactic and mm. then like i said you know starseed hotline kind of took over but mm-hmm. um i have i was always and still am just i guess you know amazed is an overused word but that a person like you know from another country who doesn't even speak your language they can pick up an instrument, and you can find common ground, and you can communicate through music. It is so universal that you don't have to know the lyrics to understand the energy of the song. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, I've, yes. you know, I mean, you probably had times where people would come and sit in, and you don't even know them, and, and it's like, you know, okay, you throw out a chord progression. And you just start creating like spontaneously. Um, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's it's a beautiful thing. And sound itself yeah. is, you know, Anastasia was talking about sound and fish. In my book, Anamika talks about um, other dimensions where where sound is like what what time and space are for us here. In other dimensions, in another dimension, it's like the the um, intervals, the harmonics um, that create sort of the context, the living environment. Um, and then, you know, speaking of galactic, where there's the music of the spheres and, and um, yeah, the music among the stars and from the stars. And there, yeah, sound is, and sound is, is used in healing. I mean, we're, we're now being able to tap into that. And as Anamika in my novel says that we've, we often use sound to to heal our hearts. You know, listening, listening to music, for example. Uh, but now, uh, but sound can be used and is used to also heal our bodies, you know, as well as our hearts and souls. So yeah, music and sound. Yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, um, frequency. Whether you're talking yes. music, color, astrology, mm-hmm. the planet, mm-hmm. astronomy. Yeah. It's yeah. all about frequency. And when you it have is. a handle on that, you know, you, you can yeah. you can see things, you know, in a more uh what's like macro kind of way. Uh, yes. where how it all just it all connects and therefore Absolutely. connects all of us. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and tuning into different frequencies and also just the, the vibratory nature of, of everything. <laughs> um, whether it be matter or color or Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I yeah. just, yeah, I I love that. I still, um, <laughs> this is completely like kind of off the subject, but I'm wondering if it's a musician thing. If you walk into a grocery store and they're playing some, you know, pop song, <laughs> how long does it take for that melody to get out of your head? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm usually doing a little dance in the aisles as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have to. I have to be. That's why I, I only listen to classical music these days, 
because lyrics get stuck in my head and it just oh, loops, yeah. you know, two or three days. It's over and over. It's like, come on, stop it. And I don't know if it's a musician thing or, you know, yeah. other you yeah. know, listeners. Does that happen to you? So interesting um, you should say that, Ariel, because I wonder if this is a musician thing. Is I, I can't listen to music very much. <laughs> um, you know, people give me their CDs to listen to, and and I, if I'm listening to music that has uh, lyrics and a singer, I have to just be in a place where I'm ready to to take it in, like to listen with all of me. I can't just have music going on in the background unless it's instrumental and unless it's classical. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So I yeah. So I I think that might that could be a musician thing. Although I do know other musicians who love having music playing all the time. But I, I'm very selective about when I can play when I can play music. And, yeah, if there's lyrics, I have to be totally attentive. Um, yeah. That, that, just you know try. what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Some of those commercials on TV are deliberately written to stick in your head. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The, the, ear, the, ear, the earworm, <laughs> what's known as the earworm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it goes into your ear and <laughs> worms into your ear. That's, you know, I I, I thought my dental hygienist made that up because oh. she was a form she was a formal former symphonic um, musician. She she played with orchestras and you know the classics, um, and and we were talking about that very thing. And she said, "Oh, that that's what I call an earworm." And it's like, oh, man, it kind of grossed me out, but I knew exactly what she was talking about because it won't get out. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you yeah. thought she made it up. Am, am I, yeah, you and now you said, so I guess it is a real thing. <laughs> it's a thing. She says that she calls it an earworm, but, but there's thousands, mil, there's a lot of other people who call it an earworm, too. That's how I really know when you, that, that yeah, like when you talk about hearing the song in the grocery store and if it gets into your head, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to. I have huh. to just hum something to keep it from going in. I just be walking up uh, and down the aisles, just humming quietly to myself because <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want to be carrying that, you know. And it and there, it's not like there's great music playing in the grocery store. I don't want that to be right. living rent free in my ear. So that, <laughs> okay, I don't I don't I don't experience it quite like that. Um, but yeah, I have done so uh, in the past for for certain particularly catchy yeah. songs. Yeah. 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 Huh. Well, is your so, music on your website, Ariel? Yes, like it to is. Check it out. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And my music yeah. is on mine, so there we go. Oh yeah, I'll definitely, definitely check that out. Yeah, if you go on my page, it's Ariel's World. Um, on that page, there's a link, uh, a, <laughs> a link to click, um, and it'll take you. And I have like um, uh, a CD of of various some of the best songs ever written. And some of my own mm. stuff, but they're they're like you know, nice. one minute sound bites. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be happy to, to um. I'd be happy to just send you the CD. I can, I mean, I can deliver it digitally. Oh, sure. Yeah, That'd be great. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, my- I put together this. I put together that that um, collection, uh, for when we bring the groups to Arkansas. Um, which is you know the Starseed Quest that I mentioned in the beginning of the show, and mm. um, so I chose these particular songs because they're very inspiring and uplifting, and um, and I, I put a few of my own in there as well. But yeah, mm. I'll be happy to send that to you. Great, 
Sure. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. my music is just, sorry, go on. I was just saying, it's, 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 it's all sequenced music. There's, there's nothing but right. keyboard, but it sounds like, uh, you know, right. a band because I've got the sound module. So right. yeah, I'd be happy Very to send cool. it to you. Awesome. Yeah, I just want to say about mine, it's it's everywhere, like, you know, it's for free everywhere. I mean, you know, these are the days of streaming. So, you know, you can hear it on Spotify or, or Apple or iTunes or, you know, whatever. And I have a couple, uh, three music videos on YouTube. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I have I have a bunch of CDs in a box. <laughs> that, uh, some people do, yeah. still do play CDs, but I, you know, I, I get to... Um, to, to give them or sell them, but um, otherwise, yeah, basically yeah. for free everywhere. Yeah. Huh. What, what a yeah. nice. So when uh, you okay. when you um, when you when you are involved with music, do you do you tune to four thirty two? Four thirty two. As opposed to a four forty, do you tune to a four thirty two? I'm. I don't know. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, uh, um, standard concert pitch was determined, you know, a couple hundred years ago that A would be at 440 cycles per second. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and, oh, but okay. the uh, with the um, the um, uh, Fibonacci sequences, ah. where the true A should be. Should be 432. But, oh, interesting. Yeah, mm. and what I, yeah, we had a guest on who was really um, well informed and and really explained it much better than I'm doing right now. But um, when when they changed the frequency for you know they standardized it, hmm. they ah. missed they they um, deleted the harmonics. Hmm that have mm. the you know the healing power that comes uh-huh. from 432 cycles per second and mm. um by changing that those harmonics out of kilter somehow like i said i, I huh. he he was really technical in explaining that and i understand right. the gist of it but i'm not explaining it very well yeah but, no um, i, I I, I do I know I, yeah it's, it is sounding familiar to me as you're talking I have encountered that but um, but no you know being just you know a guitarist and playing my guitar and and, and you know tuning with other people and <clears throat> I guess um you know, yeah yeah well you know yeah. the, the guitar tuners guitar tuners now um, you can calibrate them for mm. some of them for a 432 rather than a 440 huh huh oh it changes the harmonics of the music so you know Hmm. check it out and uh i will yes i will now you said that you might sure you might uh experiment with that and see (laughs) how you feel about it yeah you know i'm not playing much music these days at all because it's it's all about my book now and promoting my book jonas and the mountain um and i do kind of go in in the stages, you know, what, cause I do different things. So I'll be in a, a stage play and I won't be playing any music or I'll, <laughs> I'll be, um, you know, writing and I'll, I won't. Yeah. So, so sometimes there's sort of a, 
uh, this uh, you know, one than mm-hmm. the other. And, and, and for some reason during um, the pandemic, I just, my guitar has been sitting there, you know, fairly lonely and sometimes, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting, but I will, I will bear that in mind about the A. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 interesting. So, um, do you feel that um, back to your books? Do you feel like you have had um, assistance from beyond in bringing the bringing the books into the third dimension? Oh, certainly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 Um, not only is part of it channel i mean there's 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 poems and prose bits that are in italics and those were those came automatically and they came outside of the context of the book I mean, a lot of the book's material came before i knew there was going to be a book <laughs> um including animica's metaphysics that really is they're what i know um and they've found their way through me and into me uh, quite a long time ago. But there was a time when I felt an urgent need to write it all. Um, and again, this was before the book. <laughs> and then it was, it was soon after I had uh, met this guru um, and sat on a, in a retreat in India with him that I saw, suddenly the book poured out and I, in four months, and it just took me for a ride. And it was, probably one of the most thrilling, passionate, creative, exciting times of my life. The structure appeared, everything, um, everything came together, including those, those parts that I wrote um, urgently, but the stuff that I knew um, from, from wherever, um, mm-hmm. they found their way into the book, as well as all these um, italic, these poems, like a poem that I wrote in a guest house in India, you know, like two years before, suddenly that is how the book is, is beginning. And it, the book has an interesting structure. Like not only does it have interweaving narratives, there's Jonas and there's Anamika and Jonas and Anamika, and then they come together, um, of course, at one point. But it's structured by the five elements. And so there is uh, one section is the mountain, which is earth. And then part two is dreams um, and fire. And part three, relationships, sound. And then part four, confluences, water. And part five, paths, air. And in each section, whatever the element is, as well as the other title, those are highlighted. So in the uh, section on relationships, um, sound is key there. And there's a lot that has to do with sound (laughs) in that section. And it's you know, sound isn't really one of the five elements, and by, um, it's really ether. But because sound is the only characteristic, hey, that, that's how this is coming out um, through sound, um, which, of course, has a relationship with ether. What's between the atoms, the space between the atoms or the soul, um, and so sound is related to that. Yeah. So, yeah. So the book, everything, the structure, I mean, I had no idea. I'd never written a novel before. Um, and so this is my debut novel. And it is an unusual novel because, again, it's, you know, part philosophy and part novel or all love story and also a little bit of self-help and exploration in there through Anamika's exercises that are really expressive arts exercises designed to, to take you, it, it to turn you inward and to explore the world 
there. <laughs> yeah, so so it did certainly come. Um, it came, you know, I think all creativity is magical, really. Uh, or oh. maybe it comes from, you know, inspiration comes from elsewhere through you. So um, so it definitely exactly. is. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, well, um, on, on, you're yeah. a receiving station. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and being, being the open channel. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how you get it. You know, if you did getting rid of the distraction of thoughts and, um, and just being the, the hollow reed. Yeah. 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 Well, that's definitely the key. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on this evening. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, how long, when did you um, publish your book? Oh, it's Sacred Stories. My publisher released it October twentieth, twenty twenty one. Yeah, so it's it's just okay. So it's still old. pretty new, it's and new, of course yeah. it's on your website, JaniceHarper.ca, and um, Janice is spelled J A N I S. Is that kind of a, a play on words with Jonas and Janice? <laughs> That's another thing that just happened, and I was not even aware of it when the name Jonas came. Um, it wasn't until later I went, oh, wow, that looks like my name. <laughs> so, so, so that, again, that wasn't conscious. I mean, very little of this process was, you know, using that kind of mind, that conscious mind. Well, so, yeah, yeah, it, it well, came from the, le- from the right brain. So yeah, um, yeah. if, if people it's, go to Janice Harper, J-A-N-I-S, harper.ca, um, your music, your books, um, everything that we need to know about you is on that website, right? <laughs> yeah, and also I'm. It's also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, any any online, um, you know, it was a bestseller actually on Amazon in, in several categories for a couple of months. Um, and so you can go to any Amazon or any Barnes and Noble and just put my name in as you kindly spelled it a few times uh, yes. or Jonas and the Mountain a metaphysical love story um, also in the States because it's an American publisher you can just walk to your local bookstore and ask them for it and if they don't have it they'll order it in um, easy peasy so it's, it's easier in the States to do that in Canada you can as well it's just a little bit more expensive because again it's an American book and, um, and uh, yeah but you can request it at your local bookstore as well and yeah, that, can I say one more thing? Is I do have a sure. uh, an eight, an eight episode podcast that's on my website and the sacred sacredstories.com website as well as Apple and YouTube and all over the place like all podcasts are. And it's me reading ten minute excerpts from the novel. And you know I'm an actor, so I'm also a voice actor. And and the first three episodes again they're just 10 minutes or little tastes are meeting the, the characters and then the next ones are me um what putting being in the voice of anamika and giving you as the listener um, expressive arts activities that that are bringing home a particular teaching that anamika is giving um so you the reader the listener is invited to participate and that section is called Press Pause with Anamika. Um, and the idea is to press, press pause in your day, in your life, and listen into yourself. There are worlds waiting to be discovered. Um, yeah. And the podcast is called Jonas and the Mountain Journeys. 
So that's something as well that can just be put into Google search with my name or else found on my website too. Thank you for, so don't mean to go on and on, but there you go. <laughs> well, okay, so so finding you is not a problem. I don't think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I really encourage our listeners to, to go and, and check out your website and your work and your books. Um, and it's, as I said, been such a pleasure to meet you. And as Lavendar said, when you have another book coming out, just let us know, and you'll always be welcome here. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking with Lavendar and you, Ariel. Thank you. And, yes, thanks. <laughs> uh, you're quite welcome. So we're going to wrap it up. Um, we'll be back at two weeks from tonight. And until that time, remember to replace judgment with compassion and hold gratitude always. That's the way we hold the light on the planet. So until next next time, good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 